Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heart of Purpose podcast. Today, we will be tackling the topic of racism and also the best way that we can be an ally to our Black brothers and sisters. It is definitely a topic that is necessary to amplify. It's a topic that we need to discuss more in our homes and in our communities. And so I'm just so thankful and grateful to have Danny Koch on this episode She is just such a light in this dark world, and I just love her artwork. You can find her on Instagram at ohhappydanny, and I am just so thankful for this conversation we had. So please listen in. Please open your heart and your mind to all that we discuss, and I just pray that, you know, we can work together and come together and stand for what is right. So enjoy the episode. I have Danny Coke on the podcast today. So welcome, Danny. Thank you. Well, I'm so yes. glad to be here. Thanks for yes. having me. Yes, girlfriend. All that you're doing is so good. Oh, thank you. I know, um, but really, how are you doing? Because it's got to be weird to have this flood of like just attention and followers and like feel that yeah. weight, that weight of like how to manage that platform. It's for sure um, something that I did not expect. Um, I love that you asked the question again, because when I first answered your question, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I and then um, I have to keep reminding myself to eat. Um, it's, it's something that I wasn't ready for. Uh, and even with, um, <laughs> even with all of the eyes that are opening and hearts that are opening to the message of racial reconciliation and the work that needs to be done, while it is so beautiful, there's also this burden that um, I'm now feeling to all of a sudden be a, be this vocal. voice. Yeah. Yeah. Be this, that's the word I was thinking. Yeah. No, <laughs> I be hear- a voice. Yeah. And, and it's not something that I was, I never thought my life would go in this direction. I did not plan for this at all. Um, yeah, yeah I'm just, yeah. So I'm, I'm still it trying can be to overwhelming. Navigate. So you got to make sure you're taking care of you first. And you know, it, it's great to see you like showing up and taking it for what it is. I am just so excited because I I was thinking about this the other day because when we like had originally planned for this interview and this podcast, we could have not foreseen what was going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like we could not have thought up what everything is happening in our world today. And so I'm just, I just feel so lucky to be able to have you on here Mm -hmm. and to kind of share more about what you do and how you're really playing a part in, you know, being a voice for um, everyone right now for the Black community and being able to help us learn, help us learn how to, how to do better, how to um, really start in our hearts. And, and so Mm -hmm. I just love your artwork, but I want to hear a little bit about how you first got started. The way I first found you was I was just going down an Instagram rabbit hole and you know, I was finding all this Christian art that I loved and it, it all looked very similar. And then I came across yours and I loved that it had an element of education and Mm -hmm. also a topic that what others weren't talking about. So Mm -hmm. yes, I would love to hear how you first got inspired to do all this. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. You are so kind. (laughs) Um, so it's funny. I would not have called myself an illustrator ever. Um, I have always been pretty vocal about what I believe in and standing up for what's right. Um, but it wasn't until I got an iPad that I really started playing around with illustration as a medium. And I would illustrate fun, cute things like faith-based things. And um, But it wasn't until Martin Luther King Jr. Day of this year where I was looking around at all of the 
thoughtful, like well-meaning posts, but I was seeing a lot of watering down of his original message, a lot of rewriting his narrative. And I just noticed a lot of people were leaning towards all of his peaceful quotes and all of his like heartfelt, heartwarming quotes and completely disregarding the entire part of his legacy that called for action. It called for civil disobedience. And so I made an image that just basically said, I, don't, I should have it pulled up for this conversation. But, yeah, I, hey, um, I'll add it onto the website because oh, okay. people that need to see too. it. Yeah, people need to see it. <laughs> yeah, um, but it basically said Martin Luther King, you know, wasn't this passive person, but he stood for justice. He called for civil disobedience. He called for action. And uh, long story short, I basically wanted to re, I wanted to take his true narrative and put it out there in a way that was easy to digest. And um, I wasn't anticipating that would be shareable. I just thought people that I was friends with would be like, right on. (laughs) And I I looked up and hundreds of people had shared it. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. So people are listening to me. Uh, Could it be that it's because it's pretty? I I don't know. So uh, I'm going to, tap into that. Black History Month was around the corner and I knew that I wanted to take the opportunity to educate people who might not be aware of the meaning behind Black History Month, the thoughts that we have towards common issues, racism, prejudice, um, not believing Black women. And so I was like, you know, if art is going to be the way that people listen, I'm going to tap into this 100% and just go with it. And I made a graphic about, um, it was called The Anatomy of an Ally. And it illustrated different ways to be an ally by using different body parts, right? That one, (laughs) that one took off. And then I did the graphic about seeing in color and how it's not helpful to say that you don't see color because of all the reasons why seeing in color is so important. And that was the first one that actually went viral. And so that's when I realized like, okay, there's, there's a gap here. There's a moment. I'm going to tap into this and see what God wants to do through it. That's so good. Now I'm here. And then look what, look what happened. He put you there for a reason. And I actually was thinking about this yesterday is when I was um, kind of preparing for talking to you, Mm -hmm. I was thinking so much about Esther's story and like how, you know, she received favor from the King in order for her to set her people free. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just made me think of you and how he placed you here and, you know, gave you this gift and also gave you the desire to start what you were doing for for this time. I love what you said about Esther though. Um, I think it's so crazy because I went to a Christian women's retreat earlier this year and we had this segment where they were saying, um, we want you to spend some time in prayer and we want you to ask God to give you a new name. And I was like, give me a new name. (laughs) (laughs) And they, they just talked in scripture about how people were renamed, Mm -hmm. um, and, and the significance of that. And they were like, we're not saying that, you know, you're going to get some wild revelation, but like, what, what would it look like if you were sit before God and say, God, like, give me your name. Like, tell me um, how you see me in the season. Um, so I, I did that. I sat with God at the retreat and the name that kept coming back to me was Hadassah. And I looked into it and of course it was the original name of Esther. Oh my she, goodness. Um, is that not insane? I, I and this was January. That's so amazing. This was January before I, I posted the Dr. King graphic before yeah. any of this took place. And I was like, I, I I just couldn't believe it because thinking about it now, it's yeah. so, it's prophetic. It's just, 
And it just speaks so much to how I feel like God has placed me in this season, even though I, you know, I don't have all the credentials. I haven't done all the training. Like I'm not necessarily some figure, but I'm here, I'm available. And with that, I feel like there's also just, like you mentioned, narratives that are going around. There's words going around. There's opinions going around and perspectives. And it's really overwhelming. And it's really hard to, to know like where to start. So as you mentioned before, your, the artwork that you did on be, being an ally. And I know mm-hmm. the word ally has also taken another meaning that it's not initially meant to. But like, what would you tell you know, non-Black folks, like, what does that look like? What does being an ally look like mm-hmm. for our, you know, Black brothers and sisters? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And I do agree that the meaning has changed. Um, I have heard allyship described as a basic first step in a, in a long process of truly becoming someone who stands alongside Black people. I've also heard people use it as an all-encompassing phrase to just describe people who are just coming alongside black people. Just being like, we're just being a good person by being an ally, but that's not the case. Right. Exactly. So because of the the meaning continuing to change, I'm, I'm seeing differences in the way people understand it. And so for me, when I say becoming, being an ally, I, I say it as someone who's willing to do the inner work to identify privilege, how it benefits them, and any blind sides that they may have in terms of implicit bias, stereotypes, prejudice, internalized racism, and um, someone who's willing to listen, right? Someone who's willing to listen and um, have empathy and come alongside. But what's happening there is that a lot of people are starting to call for people to become accomplices instead of just allies in the sense of a lot of people use allyship as a, a starting point and they never do more than that. Yes. Um, they listen, they have empathy, uh, they do some inner work, but then when it's time to speak out, we're not hearing, we're not hearing voices. It's, it's almost to, like they're doing yeah. it for themselves, you yes. know, like, and I, I, I do feel like that's where with everything that's going on, we have to, as white people and non-black people, like, mm-hmm look inside ourselves and are we posting things because we want to look good or are we posting because we actually believe it and we actually want to do something about it? Yeah. And I'd love to speak into that as well, because that is a huge, huge problem that I'm seeing. And, um, I, I like to differentiate performative work from productive work because, especially today, we're seeing a lot of performative posting, a lot of performative captions. And I made a tweet that had, it was received quite mixed. The the reception was a little mixed, but like, you're going to get that. You're going to get that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, (laughs) of course. But um, basically I had said, I had um, specifically uh, called out white influencers. And I had said, just a reminder that by you stealing justice related art from people of color, and intentionally posting it as your own. I saw a lot of theft. Um, you really? are really like not even tagging you. Or oh, not even tagging. And I that makes no sense that pe- there was tagging. There was blotting out of my name. Um, uh, yeah. So it was shocking to me because of the message. So I said, um, doing all that and intentionally posting it as your own, you are reinforcing the same system that we're trying to dismantle and you are not amplifying us. You're centering yourself. Totally. So something that I, I 
think makes a difference between performative work and productive work is in your posting, are you centering your life experience? Are you taking my art or someone else's art or words or tweets and saying, man, racism is bad, but I remember when I was in kindergarten and my dog died and it made me feel so bad. Please tell me that someone didn't post that Oh, I <laughs> about have their seen, dog. Oh, I have seen a plethora of posts. You are kidding me. I have seen so many and it's brought up, it's the subject of white centering where yeah. well-meaning people who want to connect the dots between their brand and what's happening are instead amplifying and centering their own life experiences Mm -hmm. instead of the plight of black people and police brutality. So, and I think it all comes back down to wanting to amplify your brand over the message, uh, wanting to make activism aesthetically pleasing. Um, All of that is, it's harmful instead of, It's very, and I just putting myself in like your shoes, like I would, honestly be like frustrated and I would be irritated and I would be upset because this is what you know black communities have been living with and mm-hmm. for forever you know mm-hmm. centuries and then all of a sudden everyone wants to jump on board and I know that's that's actually really good because then yes. you can, your voice can be heard yeah but how can it also be destructive yes um I love that and I do want to say Uh, to everyone that's listening, I'm so appreciative and thankful that you're speaking out. Um, One thing that I say often, and I try to say it as often as possible, is that perfection is not a prerequisite to participation. You don't have to have it perfect to speak out, but know that by speaking out, you will probably get it wrong at some point. Yes, that's very good. Yeah, it's natural. It's going to happen. Very good. But that shouldn't stop you from wanting to say something, but just have a heart that says, I'm new to this conversation. I might get it wrong. If anyone politely or even angrily challenges me, um, I need to be willing to hear that and adjust accordingly because I'm wanting to amplify while I speak out and I'm wanting to be productive. Yeah, that's good. Because it's also, I I always feel like, you know, when you're put outside of your comfort zone, that is when change happens. Mm -hmm. That's when, you know, you you keep your your mind open, you keep your heart open, and you're able to really change or make change. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of terms going around that I, I feel like people are quick to judge or they're quick to be like, that's not me. Or I don't know. And I want to bring light to that because I'm going to be completely honest you know, when I, when I would hear white privilege, I would be like, it sounds so negative. It sounds like mm-hmm. I'm an elitist. It sounds like I don't care. And, right. and that's not the case. Right. And so I think so many people have pride in that, in the sense of that's not me without mm-hmm. actually dissecting what it means. And honestly, who cares what it means to you? What does it mean to the black people? Yeah. You know, like, and I think mm-hmm. that's the mindset that needs to change. And, you know, pride comes before destruction. Right. And that's been playing in my, my head today because I think so many people, they don't see that what their defense is, is actually mm-hmm. pride. Yeah. So I, I would like to dissect it a little bit or like, of course, what does white privilege look like to you? Yes. Um. So glad that you brought this up because a lot of the times when white privilege is pointed out, it is received as me calling you racist. Mm -hmm. Never the case. 
I define white privilege as the benefits that are afforded to you in life simply because the fact that you are at white. birth. That's it. Yeah. It does not mean that you haven't struggled. It doesn't mean that you haven't had your share of hardships. It also doesn't mean that you didn't work for what you have because you probably have. But at the same time, a lot of what you have, you probably received it more easily because of the color of your skin. Not everything that you have, but yeah. certain benefits, certain systemic for sure definitely systemic for sure and and it's not saying um anything negative towards you as a white person it is saying because you have this automatic privilege um recognize it and use it to amplify people who do not have that privilege and it's also important in a conversation when discussing white privilege even though this is a concept that can stand on its own i also like to mention that there are other types of privilege like socioeconomic privilege Christian privilege. There are so many other kinds. Um, and I benefit from socioeconomic privilege in the sense that I can stay at home during a global pandemic and still make money. You know what I mean? Mm, totally. And so because of that, I use that socioeconomic privilege that I have to donate to organizations, um, to give when I can give. And that's just me using that privilege in the same sense we ask white people to use the privilege that they have with their whiteness to amplify black love, people. And that is it. I that love is- that. I'm, not, I'm so glad you said that because it does put it into a, per, a different perspective of like, we can't see white privileges and negative. It's actually like a, to be able to say, Hey, I have this privilege. How can I use it for good? Like, how can I amplify right. voices? Yes. And it's something that I've also said recently. Um, the phrase white guilt that I hear um, going on, going out and about the phrase white guilt that I hear being spoken a lot. Um, some people refer to white guilt as the feeling of being guilty for being white. Right. I'm white. I've heard that too. I've like, whenever someone would, they'd be like, well, I don't want to feel bad for being white. And it's exactly, but that's an internal thing. And it's also only projection. Right. And it's only what that word is making them feel. There's also another definition of white guilt that I feel like, um, is what's normally meant in the sense that we're guilty for inaction or we're asking for people to recognize the fact that they have been inactive. So like for me, um, guilt as an emotion for me, I can see the benefit of it, but I like to call for conviction over guilt. I like to say, I don't want you to feel guilty for being white. I want you to feel convicted for being silent if you have been silent convicted for racist, bigoted, prejudiced action if you have partaken in those. So I, that's just kind of where I stand because I find white guilt to be unproductive. Yes, absolutely. If, well, if turning it around to be them, not that's, the problem. Yes, it's also centering. Mm-hmm. It's also it's centering, centering, but it's unproductive in the sense of, okay, you feel guilty for being white. That's first of all, that's not what God is asking of you. He created you just like he created me to be black. He has created you to be white. Um, Turning it into hatred for the color of your own skin is so counterproductive. Instead, I think it's a call to just not only look beyond yourself, but to utilize the privileges you've been given to make a difference in someone else's life. Yeah, definitely. And right now, today, we're doing the podcast on Blackout Tuesday. And um, so you're you're seeing social media flooded with black squares. Mm-hmm. And um, it's flooding some of the important hashtags like Black Lives Matter, which I'm hoping yes. a lot of people take those down and repost. But um, yes. how do you see, my concern is that 
yes, this is incredible that this is happening and, you know, awareness is being spread, but how can we make it last? How can we make it not just be another Me Too movement that no one else talks about now? You know, like how, how can Mm -hmm. we truly make a difference? Right. I'm glad you brought this up because I saw the origin of this two different ways. So I saw that the music industry was doing a blackout Tuesday to stop business as usual and acknowledge the fact that racism is a problem. And then I saw it also, I saw a different movement called Amplify Melanated Voices where the idea was to mute yourself if you are not a person of color and amplify the voices of other people of color. So there should still be a flow of information. It's just not the normal information. But now what I'm seeing is black squares. I know. And And I I like, I, I did post a black square, but I almost felt like if I didn't, like, am I not right? like a comrade, you know, am I not following suit? And, but at the same time, I didn't really like waking up and just seeing black squares. Like where's the information? Because I want to say something else too, to, you know, white listeners is, are you following black people? Mm-hmm. Are do you have black friends? Because if you don't, or if you're not following people of color, then how are you going to get information? How are you going to get new information? You know what I mean? Like Blackout Tuesday means nothing. You know, as everyone is now, you know, rushing to get information and rushing to educate themselves on everything. I really love the Instagram lives that you've been doing, and I I love how we're talking about the next steps. Like, how can we make this not just a one day movement, but how can we really make it last longer? And how can we actually make change? And I really love your tangible steps on going upward and then going inward and then going outward. Mm -hmm. So you want to expand on that just a little bit to give listeners the... Yes, definitely. Okay. So yes, starting with going upward, I really uh, started that one with a faith-based focus of saying, before we can really get started and taking action, we have to reconcile uh, the fact that a lot of us in our inaction, we were sinful. And and there's also sin in, you know, the outright actions we've taken, whether it's um, racist acts, hatred, bigotry, you know, um, coming to God and saying, I repent of these things and I vow to recommit my life to jur- to a journey of justice and mercy and walking with yeah. God. So that's what I would first say is the upward part of it. And then inward... Um, is definitely taking the time to learn, to assess our internal biases, our internal prejudice and saying, how can I dismantle this and adopt a new worldview, a new perspective on the way I see other people, especially black people and um, non-black people of color. So I think a lot of that has to do with education, with educating ourselves A lot of that has to do with taking inventory of what we believe and how we can change that. So that's what I would say definitely with that. And then um, like we talked about, uh, I have another piece that talks about if we fix it in the heart and address it in the home. Yes. We'll change it in the world. Yes. And that is what we were talking about. We were were, um, talking earlier and I forgot to press record. And so we... (laughs) We totally are rehashing. Because my Wi-Fi is trash. I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) So, okay, I want to give a visual of what this artwork is because every one of you have seen it on Instagram. It has gone viral and I like love seeing my friends post it. I'm like, yeah, Danny. I'm like, (laughs) I'm so proud. And I'm like, it's just so incredible to see how God's using you. But to explain what this artwork is, it's really just literally it's a heart, a home Mm -hmm. and the world. And it's 
really giving the tangible steps of how to start, you know, in order to make change. Yeah, I definitely feel like once we address it in the heart, like we talk about with doing the inner work, and then we sit with our families and address it in the home and say, this is how we as a family need to view the collective. We need to view people of color as equal, as created by God, as loved by God. We need to dismantle the the things that we believe and really change the toys we we allow our kids to play with. We change the movies we watch. We amplify Black voices, Black literature, Black art. And we really work that into the regular things that we consume as a family. Um, I think once the narrative changes in our homes, that's when we see the change outside of our homes. That's so true. And a lot of times the narrative is typical, is especially for young kids and as parents is living by example. Um, I was mentioning to Danny earlier, like I had gr- grown up most of my life in inner city and I was just, you know, like all of my friends were of color. And a lot of times I was the minority and my parents actually never really talked to us about race. We, they never mm-hmm. talked about to us about anything of like that. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, it's just instilled in you by being surrounded. Like, it's almost like just that quote, like what you surround yourself with is really what, who mm-hmm. you become. Mm-hmm. And so if you are surrounded by people that don't look like you, don't act like, like you're going to just love you're going to be, you're going to be leading with love. And exactly. that's like what God has called us to do. And what's exactly. crazy too, is like, Jesus was a Palestinian Jew. Like if he was walking around in America today, like he would probably be discriminated against. And it's just, right. it's just crazy. It is absolutely. But I think there's hope here because of how many people are becoming more aware of the role that they play. It's going to be beautiful to see once we start having these conversations in the home, how it's going to translate to the businesses we support the places of worship that we go to, the friendships that we create. I think it'll start to become a natural outflow and we won't have to worry so much with, let me find a person of color to add to my circle. Yeah, like you mentioned, like it might feel weird. It might feel like you're trying hard or you're like, but I guess the keyword is you're trying. And like you did mention is the the more more you're doing that, it'll just have a natural outflow. Right. That's so good. Absolutely. I love that. And we were talking to you about resources to be able to really take next steps. Yes. And yeah, there, I mean, there's so many resources out there. We also were talking about all of the educators and everyone that you're following right now, because of everything going on, you're just, you know, trying to follow every black educator, which is great, but it's also putting a lot of pressure on them. Like you, you know, and it's really important to take the first steps yourself and see if you can Google it or find books or, you know, movies, Absolutely. documentaries. Yeah. yeah. And, and starting it in the home, like we mentioned. Yes, exactly. And I, and I, like I said earlier, I get so many messages of people asking and I can't always give it, give a list of resources. But what I can say even now, like I would recommend two books off the top of my head. Um, so You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluo. Excellent starting point. Sold out in most places, but you could probably get the okay. digital copy. And um, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown, another beautiful book. Um, some of these books will give it to you hard, mm. but they're needed it's and they're need. powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just want to amplify their voices and encourage you guys to look into those resources. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so wonderful. And um, I also want to bring light to like, what advice would you give to the Black community on how they can take hold of this time and raise their voice? Mm. You know, like yeah. now is the time to really amplify your own voice. 
Yeah. So um, I, I, my answer to that is twofold because on one side of it, Black people are absolutely exhausted. The journey that um, we've been on to get us to this point, um, it's been extremely taxing. And a lot of people, uh, which is some of the reason why we see uh, peaceful protests turning violent. And we see people saying, just look it up yourself. Like people are getting exhausted. So one thing that I would say to the Black community is first and foremost, offer encouragement and say, you are seen, um, you are heard. And in this season, people are starting to open their eyes to the struggles that we face every day in America. And I would say not to give up in that. I wouldn't put any pressure on any person of color to become an educator overnight. Um, But I would also say, um, don't be afraid to say what you've wanted to say for so long. Mm -hmm. And I also would want to call the white community into, um, like I said, where we want to pass the baton to the white community yeah. and say, here's what we've done. Would you be able, would you take it upon yourself to learn, self-educate, um, and to really help us? Because in all honesty, because you are the majority yeah. and because we rely on you for amplification, um, we also rely on you to speak because your voice has reached that we will never have, no matter how much you amplify. And so now's the time to speak out, take action, um, get involved politically, get involved however you can in your community to really take this thing to the next level. Take change. Yeah. Because I've also heard, which I don't agree with, but is like, well, it's been this way forever. So what am I going to do? That's going to make a change. And right. uh, it's just disappointing because it's like you are living and breathing, which means you could make a change in some way. Yeah. And I don't know. I think we, everyone needs to encourage those around them to mm-hmm. like, you know, like, yeah, I have family that may have different views than I do. I think that's also our time. Yes. To call it out. Absolutely. And not just let things pass or like be brushed under the rug because it's like, well, they'll just never understand or, or, you know, it's just broken. The system's broken. I'm never, it's never going to change. You know, I think that's the mindset of a lot of people. Yeah. No matter the color, to be honest, I think. Yeah. I see that too. And I feel as though if those, those who came before us had that mentality, wouldn't even, we wouldn't even be where we are today. That's so true. So I think it's going to be really difficult to have these conversations with people who may not agree with us or have, you have to like present them with information and be like, please see it the way I want to see it. But that is the call that we are asking. We're asking for, like, we're asking why people like, imagine how powerful it would be if you do have these conversations in your home and the ripple effect that it can cause. If you know, your family members start to change their mindset, they will start to uh, teach their children differently and their children will teach their children differently. Exactly. Because like a lot of times they're like, well, this is what my father taught me and that's what his father taught me. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't make it right. Like exactly. We gotta, we gotta instill more information, more education to our kids. Like I have these conversations all the time with my mom friends too. It's like, how can we, how can we equip our our children Mm -hmm. with the right the right resources, the right knowledge, and just the right love in their hearts to really, you know, do something and be brave. Exactly. Be brave. You know, be brave. Be yeah. brave. And yeah. I, I said this earlier, um, but I, I want to say it again, just in case that you don't have to be perfect. Perfection is not a prerequisite to participation. Everyone's invited and you will mess it up. There will be moments where you will, you will make mistakes, but continuously learning 
is, is wonderful because there's effort behind it and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying. And that's so commendable and powerful. If everyone is coming together and saying, we don't exactly know what exactly <laughs> it is that we're doing. So true. So true. <laughs> Something I has know. to change. I love the quote, like, I don't understand, but I'm, you know, but I'm here to stand and try to understand. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good it, one. It actually like sums up how I think, you know, even I can feel, I have felt at times because I'm like, you know, I, I never felt equipped to be able to talk about this topic, but I think like you mentioned, uh, just talking, like it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be right. And I think it's really about keeping the dialogue open, keeping that conversation open because we don't want this movement to, movement to end like me too. We really want to keep it going to be able to make change and we won't make change exactly. without action. Exactly. It's also really hard to watch protests go wrong. Mm. And I know there's also a lot of outside influence. Um, how can all of us help peaceful protest or how can we help those who are protesting and, and not just stereotype every protest as a violent protest? Because I think yeah. that's what's happening too is, yes, they're destroying our city. People are destroying our city, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. And then other people who may not be looking into it are just saying, oh, those protesters. But it's like, ah, there are people protesting in a peaceful way. In a peaceful way. And it's their right to. Mm-hmm. It's not their right to destroy a city. But I mean, what is, I, I would love to know your take on it. Yeah. Um, I saw a really powerful tweet by um, TK Coleman on Twitter. Um, and it said, looting is wrong. And blaming the wrong people for looting is wrong. And using the wrongness of looting to drown out discussions about what caused the looting is wrong. (laughs) And reducing discussions about race and riots to the same old talking points is also wrong. So I think that is such, that was such a powerful explanation of all of the intricacies in this conversation. Like, I do not condone looting. But I cannot, um, I can also understand why it has gone that way because of the frustrations that people are having and yeah. uh, feeling that they have no other option. Um, and another thing is, in, in, in order to encourage peaceful protests, I would say we need to track down, like you mentioned before, like the outside forces, like what's going on, who is mm-hmm. coming to the protest and using it as an excuse to incite violence when many people weren't even there with that intention, like mm-hmm. what's happening there? If it's the white community, does the white community need to call its own people in and say, hi, if you're going to join these protests, you need to understand that they're trying to do this peacefully. Do not incite violence. And if it is us, um, if it is the black community, I would also say that it's important that we don't, that we're careful to not police the actions of black people without first addressing racism. If you're silent about the systems of oppression that have caused this, um, Many feel as though you have no right to condemn the looting because it's like, have you tried to prevent it by speaking out against racism and oppression? Have you tried to change that narrative within your own sphere of influence? Or are you only jumping in the conversation because you see that property is being damaged? Mm. So I believe that I can operate in multiple lanes of thought and believe that looting is wrong, but also believe that we can con- we cannot condemn people who have um, made that decision to condemn, um, people who are just doing what they, what they feel they should do as a response yeah. to the systems of oppression that they've been under. So that's yeah, my, I know. And I think that's, 
the ultimate thing is to like judgment. Like we, we're, we, everyone, everyone has got to stop casting judgment on everybody. Like, oh, I, you know, you don't agree with what I, this one word. Okay. And, and then people are just casting so much criticism and judgment before even trying to understand why the person may have said something or why. Right. right. It's, that part is blowing my mind because yeah. it's like, I just can't understand how we're so quick to judge. It's like, it's, and, and a lot of these conversations are going to have so many intricacies. There's going to be yeah. so many pieces that we can pick out and say, I agree with that, but maybe not that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's just how it's going to be. But what's going to be the loudest voice? I hope that the loudest voice is the one that condemns racism and calls for Amen. change. Yeah. And if that's the loudest voice, all these other things we can sort out. And like I said, again, I personally would not go out there and, you know, destroy a business, but I also am not going to stand for racism. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I know I saw this thing. I'm going to be really, I don't, I'm really bad at like quoting things, (laughs) but um, the gist of it was like, oh, I tell you, you know, some, something happened. You don't listen. I tell you that people are dying in the streets. You don't you just look the other way. Mm-hmm. I'm banging pots and pans in the street. And now you're telling me to stop being so loud, you know, yeah. and it, it painted a picture of like, yeah. of like, it has come to this, but there were reasons in the past, you know, that have led to it, to people wanting to really physically show their, you know, show their emotions. And yeah, it's, and the reason a lot of people are listening, let's be honest, is the fact yeah. that we have reached this boiling point. Yeah. So um, I just hope that change comes out of all of this and that it's not in vain. And that even in our decisions to mute ourselves on social media and to, to, to step back and amplify the Black voice, that yeah. that's what we're truly doing. Not using silence as a, as a way to escape the conversation. Yes, yes. Um, but using, like we were using, saying, yeah. like, typically, you know, it's when you step into an uncomfortable position that you, you can really make change in your own mm-hmm. heart, too. Mm-hmm. And so we need to just have those conversations and keep the dialogue open. Mm-hmm. And I just hope everyone, too, like, if you don't agree with us or if you don't agree with someone, like, you can still be open-minded. Yeah, absolutely. To, to why they feel that way. Or maybe they did read something that you didn't read. And so acknowledge what they've learned, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's all going to be a learning process. And it is. But if we all are at the starting point of saying racism is wrong and we condemn it. Yes, absolutely. And everything else. We, we can go from there and sort the totally. other things out. Yeah. I agree with that. Like people are like honing in on different terminology and stuff. But like at the core is like racism is wrong. Like let's all work towards that. And let's fixing work towards that. that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate you so much. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on here and thank you so much for having chat about, you know, a difficult topic for most, but I really Mm -hmm. think it's necessary. And honestly, it needs to be talked about a lot more. Definitely. This is only the beginning. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks for all that you're doing on social. It's just fantastic. (laughs) I can't wait to see where you go with everything. Oh, I can't wait to see. (laughs) Just make sure you take time, you know, take time. For yourself. Take care of yourself. I will. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Don't put the weight of everyone else all on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. uh, But I will say, are there any other like thoughts running through your mind that you would like to share? Honestly, we have covered quite a bit. 
Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. I think that's fantastic. Like normally at the end, I'll, I'll have another thing that I want to say, but well, I, I think I could say this, um, for a long time, I viewed the race conversation as, um, people of color having a seat, sitting at a table and inviting, um, white people to take a seat. I think as times change, I now view this race conversation as a moving train, <laughs> still inviting non-white people. It was funny. Yeah. I mean, that's how I see it now. It's, it's like true. we are going and yeah. we cannot stop. And so I'm still inviting you to jump on this moving train and I it might that. be risky and might cost you something. There might be some hurt to your ego. There might be some hurt everywhere, but we are asking like for the sake of everything that you hop on this train with us. And I, I normally say like, even in, in the learning and then the growing and trying to get more information, um, I view it sometimes as um, being in class and some of us are arriving to class late. You know, we're, we're glad you're here. Welcome, please have a seat, but please know we won't always be able to go back to the top oh, and research yes. everything. That's really, that's actually a great analogy. Yeah, you're invited to catch up on your own time. Yeah. You're invited to yeah. study and read up and join us where we are and, and pick up where we left off. So that's great. Yeah, yeah because that's not that's your amazing. responsibility to catch them up to like all of whew, years. There's a lot. Years. And for those of us who volunteer to help, um, yeah. I, I just really hope that it's appreciated and that people take full advantage of it. It is so appreciated. A lot of us know, like we know we don't have to do it, but. Yeah. We have a desire to see this thing through. Yeah. So I just um, that people God's using it. you in a mighty way. Oh, yeah, he is. Thank you. So, so I'll just be praying for you. I earlier I was just praying over this talk, and I was like, I just I I'm, I'll be praying for strength over you, and oh, thank um, you. So yeah, to give you the ability to really carry the load that he's he knows you're able to hold. You know. Hmm. Yeah, he knows that you've got it. He doesn't equip us with, you know, he knows what we can handle. Yes, <laughs> even if we true. don't think, even if we don't think we can. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you to keep doing you. And I don't know, I love your artwork. So just keep doing your artwork too. <laughs> Thanks, Danny, so much. How can people find you? How can yes. they um, support you? Yeah. You know, in every way. So I am um, on, on all the social media things social media things at Oh Happy Danny. <laughs> you can find me everywhere. And I get this question too, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm also on all the money apps at Oh Happy Danny. <laughs> hey, get it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no pressure. I just get that question all the time. And That's I just right, though. Um, yeah, it's, people have been incredibly generous in this season. That's, so That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah, I think so, that's, yeah. the, but that is like, we were saying too, the many ways you can help support the black community in yeah. everything, business mm -hmm. and, you know, all the movements. So I just am, I'm excited for where this is going to go. Same. You know? Thank yeah. you so much. Hopefully it can create change in some, some capacity. I hope too. Okay. You guys, thank you so much for listening and for really hearing Danny out on all the topics that we discussed and I just pray Father for the hearts and minds of those who are closed and who may not see racism or affliction of black people as an issue I pray that you open their hearts and you open their minds and that we are able to come together because a house divided cannot stand and I pray that we can come together to lift up our brothers and sisters and to truly see through your eyes 
to see a different perspective, to see the hearts of these humans that are being afflicted or being oppressed, are dealing with a system that does not stand for them. I pray that you lift Danny up and that you strengthen her. I pray that you strengthen all of the black educators and influencers that are really helping to lead this movement. I pray that you don't allow this to just last for a day, but that we can start to make a change in this nation. I pray for protection over everyone. I pray for protection over the black community. I pray, Father, for men's hearts to turn to you. And we just pray that we can come together in unity and in love and in hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. And um, come back next week. Thanks.